So Connection podcast listeners, welcome back to WWE War Wrestling Above Replacement. I am JT. Joining me is my partner on the show, Marcus. Marcus, how are you? JT, I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Doing well. It's good to be back here. Hopefully everyone enjoyed our first outing where we dove into the premise of this show and then broke down our very first two pay-per-views, and that was King of the Rain 94 and SummerSlam 94. Uh, so if you are new and for some reason starting with episode two instead of episode one, I'd probably recommend you at least go back and listen to the first 1520 of episode one, where we break down um, the metrics, the system we're using, the reason why we're doing what we're doing, and just kind of what goes into our uh, methodology behind the show. Yeah, we have a very, a very fine science, um, as we are scientists. And uh, yeah, go back and check it out. What's, what's, the matter, what's the matter with you? Go back. Uh, for those that did listen, I can tell you the output of that show. Uh, SummerSlam 1994 scored uh, in first place so far of just our two shows with a total war of nine. And King of the Ring 1994 was in second place with a war of 6.5. So trailing a bit, but we'll see uh, how those end up shaking out. Is SummerSlam real high? Is King of the Ring average? Is it low? We'll see how this all plays out as we move through these shows. So. First up tonight uh, of our double hit that we're going to do is Survivor Series 1994, the final pay-per-view year uh, of the calendar year 94, uh, halfway through our season here. November 23rd, 1994, San Antonio, Texas, the Freeman Coliseum. It is the final Survivor Series to happen on Thanksgiving Eve, so ended for tradition there. Starting in 95, all pay-per-views moved to Sunday. And Vince McMahon and Gorilla Monsoon are in the booth because Jerry Lawler is in the ring tonight. So uh, pretty cool. 
little, you know, traditional, uh, a little bit of history there, I should say, um, and some tradition as Vince and Gorilla get the call. So we'll talk about, about that in a little bit. Uh, did you watch this one live, Marcus? Uh, this one I did not watch live. I think the only pay-per-view uh, from this calendar year that I was able to catch live is going to be the next show we're going to discuss, the Royal Rumble. Okay. So this, uh, my birthday is in early December. So for 93 and 94, my parents had allowed me to have uh, some friends over. Uh, one of my friends would sleep over, and I had like my cousin and a couple of friends, like four or five of us, and we ordered Survivor Series as a birthday gift. And I, I Thanksgiving is like one of my favorite weeks of the year. Uh, and that was always a big part of it. Like those two nights watching the pay-per-view. Uh, and then we always had Thanksgiving at my house as well. And then my mom would usually do like my family birthday party on that weekend. So we'd have like everyone over Thursday for Thanksgiving. And like two days later, like every, all the same people would be back uh, to do a cake for my birthday. I don't know why we didn't, we didn't just combine them, but uh, God bless my mom. Wanted to give me my own night, I guess. So it was always like a really cool week. Just a lot going on. Literally house. a holiday. It was, yes. It was a week, week-long week holiday that started with Survivor Series. It was, just, uh, it was fun having a pay-per-view with the next day being like a major holiday like that. Like it was just, you know, I remember like waking up the next morning and putting the tape, because of course you tape it if you're ordering it, um, and re-watching it. Like as we're getting getting the house ready and cooking the food and all that and just kind of re-watching what happened the night before. So uh, cool memories of the show for sure. And uh, like I said, Vincent Gorilla in the booth. So why don't we get to uh, what we usually start with, and that is our match grades. So we're going to run down the card, give our, our grades there, and then we'll get into our categories. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. Our opening match is the uh, standard Survivor Series match featuring the bad guys, the one, two, three kid, the British Bulldog, Fatu, Razor Ramon, and Head Shrinker Sione, as we talked about in our last episode. Samu wrapped up at SummerSlam, and uh, former Barbarian, now known as Sione, stepped into his stead as the uh, new Hedgehrankers, taking on the Teamsters, uh, comprised of Diesel, Jeff Jarrett, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, Owen Hart, and Shawn Michaels. And I should also mention uh, the dark match on the site was Bob Holly versus Quang, so there you go. Uh, so I, I've always liked this opener a lot, but only to a point. So I thought these two teams are two of the best teams as far as series history. When you just look at, like, look and quality especially that heel team is just loaded like diesel owen sean jarrett and nightheart is like just a great heel team um and and having this as the opener display like, like a traditional classic survivor series style opener with just two stacked teams uh really good feud built in especially with razor and sean versus uh i'm sorry razor versus diesel and sean but you had owen in the mix against bulldog they've had a thing going on with anvil too uh one two three kid has of course had his issues with Sean and Diesel as well, as part of him being buddies with Razor. So just lots going on. And the head shrinkers lost the title to Sean and Diesel. So lots and lots of layers in here. Uh, Jarrett may seem like the last man out, but he also uh, was on the doorstep of being in the IC title division. So it was it was a good mix of talent. Now, my only issue with this match is the finish. And I get why they did it, because like half of these guys you don't want to beat. And you kind of got to move along at some point. And there's so much talent in there. So we get the Ric Flair 91 where... Uh, everyone on one team is counted out pretty much and the last man standing happens to win. Uh, so in this regard, we do get the big diesel push where he just crushes everyone. And then we end up with just razor Ramon alone against all five guys. And they all end up arguing after Sean super kicks diesel and, uh, diesel walks away. And then you get Sean and everyone kind of chasing after them and they all get counted out and Razor wins. So I went three stars. I think it's a really fun match. It's got some cool moments. 
Uh, but that ending really sours it. Like, you could have maybe just beat Anvil and Jared or something and just had Owen, Sean, and Diesel walk away, you know, instead of beating everyone. Or have Bulldog and Owen get, like, double count out or just something um, to not just make it, like, all five just chase after Diesel. It just it didn't feel very realistic to me. Yeah, it, it was, a, like, a big brush that just, like, painted over the finish. which just like, ah, just have everybody get eliminated at the end. Don't worry about uh, telling any more stories. But I also understand... The main story you want coming out of this is Sean and Diesel, and you're also building up a little bit to later in the night between Bulldog and Owen. So, like, how many other stories do you want to try to get across? Like, it might just be better to focus on those two and mainly uh, focusing on uh, Sean and, and Diesel. So I understand now, like, why they just did the big group elimination, get everybody out of there, don't start or continue or even wrap up any other stories like just get to Sean and diesel. That's all we really need to take away from this one. Um, and another thing I noticed, I think this season isn't necessarily known for its depth. Like I think anything during the steroid trial or a little bit after steroid trial, it's like the roster is a little mm-hmm. thin. Uh, money's a little tight, but look at this match, man. Like you ran down the participants and this is, this is pretty heavy, and and the crowd is super into it too. Um, so I'm with you. I went three stars. And it just like it could be a little bit more, right? With like a better ending. Right. All right. What could, could it? I don't know. I don't know if there's any way to salvage this. Our next match is uh, Clowns Are Us, featuring Doink Dink Wink and Pink, against the King's Court of Jerry the King Lawler, Cheesy Queasy. And Sleazy, and those six are, of course, uh, little people teaming with Doink and the King. This feud, I guess, ratcheted up in the fall with Doink kind of tormenting the King and just escalated from there with the different little people showing up week after week. And this is just just tomfoolery. Um, I've never liked this match. Doink gets eliminated out of the gate pretty much, and then Lawler and his you know, team have their way with the remaining little people that are left alone with uh, Doink being knocked out of the match. So this, to me, I just, I, I don't know. It's like too much hijinks and nonsense. Uh, Lawler like tries his best to carry it. Doink has very little heat or interest left once he turned face and moved past those initial weeks as a face. So by this point, it just feels like not much in the tank left with him. Um, this to me would be like a throw it on raw kind of thing. Like not, um, it just felt like we could have done more with the show. And I know the roster's thin, but there had to be something else we could do in this spot. Uh, I would have even taken the doink Waller singles match with the other guys around the ring, you know, something like that maybe, but uh, and adding to it is this is 16 minutes. So it's not like it's a quick, you know, kind of goof fest that goes like five minutes or something. It's 16 minutes, which is just way too long for this. So I went a half a star. Um, I just, I just cannot stand this match. I feel like I have some explaining to do. Uh, you uh, have a decent amount of explaining. <laughs> so I went two stars. Mm. I loved all the hijinks. Um, I loved all of the the throwback Memphis little people spots. I mean, they pulled out every trick that they absolutely had. And by them, I mean Lawler. Um it was kind of like watching a master, like you sit back and watch a master, like work on his craft. Like this is not like, of course it's not gonna be five stars, but like 
I don't know who else could have had like multiple, like 10 little people spots just in their back pocket. Just to be like, yep, we can do this. 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 Um, and like each spot flows into the next spot. So like it is 16 minutes and that is a pretty decent chunk of chi- uh, chunk of time. But each spot at least flows naturally into the next spot. There's not a lot of like downtime in between the spots. So they do keep things moving in those 16 minutes, but cumulatively, like, yes, the 16 minutes uh, is a bit much for what they have to do here. I do agree with you in retrospect. Like, this would have been awesome to put on Raw as, like, a preview of Survivor Series mm-hmm. or... Oh, sorry, sorry, Showdown. Yeah. yeah, or Showdown, right? Like, we have a special Survivor Series match. And then you get to... Uh, Lawler and Doink here one-on-one with the little people around ringside and you can still do the pie in the face and, and the whole payoff to everything. So, Or uh, just do that on the showdown and do a Lundra Blaze Bull Nakano match here because we started SummerSlam they had the match in the Egg Dome like right before this where Bull wins the title because the interviewer on the show like why not run that match here and now you really increase this card you get another title match in and you avoid this nonsense. That too. That too. Um, yeah, especially after how good that Nakano Blaze match was. Um, mm-hmm. I'd be curious to go back and just watch the the one that happened in the Egg Dome on my own personal time, just to see how that one was in comparison to the SummerSlam match. I can tell uh, you it was better than this. Doink the ball. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, two stars is a high bar, but I, I went two stars. All right, and so I, average I of one and a quarter, and it's a bunch of bullshit. Two and a half is like my is is like my line of demarcation so two stars it's not like they knocked it out of the park it's trash <laughs> i love it right, what's not trash is our world title match and that's bret hart defending against bob backland in an uh submission match which of course is playing off of the way backland lost the title way back in uh 1983 to the iron sheik and backland had an amazing heel turn on brett on superstars in july and has just ramped up since then. He got the crew cut. He started locking everyone in the crossface chicken wing. You got Owen Hart in Backlund's corner with the towel. You got British Bulldog in Brett's t- corner. And this match gets 35 minutes. And is one of the most unique matches in company history, I think. For, um, when it comes to uh, world title matches. I think it, it really stands out. They gave him a lot of time to tell a very different story. I think it's probably one of those matches that's not for everyone. But in rewatching it, it's almost the opposite of some of these other ones. Like he kept saying, like, I try and go in with a clear head. I try and go in thinking, like, am I overrating this match? But no, like, I think it really holds up. It's really, really fun. It's really, really good. It's very, very different. And you get Owen at his peak um, character work outside the ring with the big pathos play with Stu and Helen uh, trying to convince her to throw in the towel, which he eventually does. So I went four stars, Marcus. Like 35 minutes on this one did not feel like 35 minutes. It's just it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, this is a, a match that like I was even almost dreading a little bit going back and watching because I I remember it was like lengthy. I didn't know it was 35 minutes, um, but I do remember it being longer. And it is Bob Backlund who I'm not super high on. But at the same time, like this is probably height of powers Bret Hart uh, in this run, and so it's like okay, so what can Bret get out of Bob here? But really, I mean they work in unison. They put together a beautiful match. I went four and a quarter on it. I I was just really surprised. Like, it was really good. And like you said, all the outside stuff with Owen and, and Bulldog getting knocked out for about 20 minutes. Uh, 
it was just a complete uh, a complete movie. Like Vince says, we make movies, pal. Awkward water chug. Um, this is a movie, and they haven't been able to like replicate it since. I'm really surprised they haven't tried to go back to this well. Um, the, I don't know yeah, if they have I, the I people really to pull it off because they don't. It's, so much of it has to do with the story of Backland and the hearts. Like there's so many layers that you need in place to do something like this. Uh, I mean, they could do a 35 minute submission match now. It's, it's called NXT Weekly, at least it was. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know if they could have done it with this level of emotion baked into it, and it, it delivers. I, I feel bad I'm at four because it's gonna. We're not gonna get the bonus point for the show for the all timer, but. It's a classic. It's really damn good. And I also recommend the Superstars match. I actually, when North South started, I did a pod, pod blast breaking down that match uh, for anyone that maybe newer to the feed. If you just search it, it was, if you just search like Backland or something, it'll probably pop up. Um, it was from the early days of the feed in 2020. And uh, it's one of my favorite Superstars matches of all time because I think, I think it's just great too. And the Backland heel turn is awesome. So it was a great payoff to have Backland win the way he did and to win the title. In a surprising fashion, too, because Brett, I mean, he was the workhorse through all in 94. And you think if he's going to lose to anyone, you maybe think Owen, maybe Shawn Michaels or Diesel. But I don't think anyone was thinking when he won that belt at Media, by the end of the year, Bob Backlund would be the guy beating him for the belt. Yeah, you, you could not, like, call this, call this like, happening in the air. Um, I do remember during this time, though, like, actually being afraid of Bob Backlund. Like, I was afraid, because he's gotten all these, like, crazy promos mm-hmm. on superstars and stuff like that, how he's going to put people in the crossface chicken wig and go out to the crowd, and, like, he's putting uh, uh, magazine writers in the crossface chicken, <laughs> chicken wig. Lucian Frito. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, this guy snapped. Like, he could he could do this to anybody. And, like, I'm, I'm five years old. I don't want to be put in a crossface chicken wing. <laughs> like, I'll break my little arm. So um, I was hooked. This absolutely had me hooked. And like you said, like, there's so much nuance here, and that's not something that WWF always does super well. But just the fact, like everything hits from Backlund going crazy about you know never losing the title and all the stuff with the Hart family, and it just it just all fit together perfectly. Um, but yeah, sad sad it's not going to make that um, that all time list that we have, but it is really good. Um, if you feel so inclined, you should definitely go out of your way to, to watch this one with fresh eyes. Yeah, and the Backlund thing was real. Uh, we had show an annual summer show at the Work Musical Theater, which was a very uh, tiny venue, just a tent, basically. And you, the wrestlers were actually, like, you when you were walking in, you walked by, like, the parking lot where they arrive and where they hang out. So it was actually, like, a good chance to meet some of the wrestlers that were hanging around. And I did meet Backlund during that stretch, and he asked me to name the presidents. The gimmick was real. I started naming <laughs> them, and he just, like, stormed off and yelled at me. Um, so. <laughs> now, did you prep uh, knowing that Bob Backlund might ask you that, or was that just knowledge no. you had off the top of your head? Yeah, I'm, like, a real – I was, like, a real president nerd. Uh, it was like my favorite topic as a kid, like non-sports wrestling, like for actual like historical stuff. So I had multiple history of the president books and I could recite them all in order. I probably still could. If you gave me a minute, I'd have to think of a few maybe of them. But I think as recently as like the last four or five years I've done it. Um, but I used to be able to sit, like just rattle them off one through whatever. Um, I guess it would have been probably uh, Clinton at that point, but I could go right through um, for many, many years. So I'd, I read those books inside and out. So I knew tons of presidential facts, et cetera. So uh, no, I started, I started hitting them out of the gate and he, um, 
He didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear me finish. So. <laughs> he, knew, he knew he was in trouble. That's what once, happened. Once you get to William Harris, Henry Harrison, you know, you know you're rolling. <laughs> uh, so it was real. The gimmick was real. I've actually run into him a few times randomly. Like, even one time years later when he would patrol the local crowds in, like, 2000, 2001. Like, when he's running for Congress or what the fuck he was doing yeah, in Connecticut. No. Um, I was just in the concourse and I turned around at the Providence Civic Center. He's like in my face, like yelling. He goes, what are you doing? And he, like, and he storms off. I was like, what the fuck? So I, I've had a few run-ins with Bob. You should have picked up with the presidents where he left off. I know, right? <laughs> Fucking uh, Benjamin Harrison. All right. Uh, all right. Next up, we have Guts and Glory versus the Million Dollar Team. That's Lex Luger. Uh, Adam Bomb, the Smoking Guns, and Mabel, again Mabel, uh, against Bam Bam Bigelow, the Heavenly Bodies, King Kong Bundy, who's new on the scene, and Tatanka. So again, you know, some pretty decent storylines going on here in this match. It, it's kind of a, almost feels like a little bit of a poor man's version of that 87 main event with like the big boy team mm. on the heel side. So I've always, always kind of a little soft spot for this match. Again, very long, 23 minutes. I went two and three quarters. Uh, I like the finish, like Luger's toast at this point anyway. So, and Bigelow, we didn't know at the time, but they obviously had big things cooking for him. Um, and Bundy had just returned. So having them survive, the big guys survive, to me made a lot of sense. Uh, I, I think one of the weaker spots here is Adam Baum had just turned face and you seemingly maybe had plans for him. He has got a good look. He's a big guy and he doesn't have like the best showing here. Um, but overall, I, I've never minded this match. Of anything Corporation and Luger related in 94, 95, I think this is like one of the better ones to deal with. Yeah, I think this is the high watermark for the Luger Corporation feud. And going back to Adam Baum, like this guy's big. He's got the colors. He's got uh, the foam footballs he's going to be throwing out pretty soon. Um, Like he seems to be like somebody that might be featured. And it's not exactly his coming out party. Like I thought this was uh, I thought you made a great comparison to the 87 big boys survivor series matchup where like this could have been a chance for adam bomb to play that bam bam bigelow role yeah uh, and and to get that rub but instead they opt to go with luger and like they really sell the exhaustion with uh, exhaustion with luger like you said like th- the time of this matchup is like whew, like even given that you have you know 10 dudes in there like that's, that's a lot of time to commit especially with all the mm-hmm. big boys in the matchup um i went luger, to an, it, it, and Luger does get the pin on Tatanka, so, like, it's something, I guess, a little revenge. Yeah. Yeah. All right, sorry, uh, what was your grade? I went two and a half. What was yours? Two, two and three quarters, so okay. about the same. Just a solid Survivor Series match. Like, this could have slotted in any year in those early years and been perfectly fine. Like, um, just kind of works, you know, work the basic Survivor styles, get the eliminations. I, I like that idea of Adam Baum kind of being the guy at the end. I think that could have been a cool way, because you could even have Luger get screwed, like, Luger eliminates Tatanka and then gets pulled out of the ring and beaten up and squashed or something. And then Adam Bomb is left with Bundy and, and Bigelow. Yeah, they've already made Luger look like such a dope up to this point. <laughs> like, I think, right, yeah. It's I think Luger. having him be eliminated while being the team captain, um, but still having members left of his team, like, if anything, like, that plays into Luger's frustrations even more and, like, gives him even more reason to be mad as opposed to, like, going down to the wire and coming up short. Yep, agreed. All right, brings us to our main event. That is Nona Taker versus Yokozuna. Casket match. Chuck Norris is the special enforcer. Um, continuing our run of main events that maybe shouldn't have main evented. But this is probably the least egregious of the ones we've talked about so far. It's a perfectly fine match. It's just not going to jump off the page. 
Uh, Yoko was pretty much on fumes at this point. Not much of a threat at all. And this was really just a call back to the Royal Rumble early in the year where Yoko beat Taker and buried him in the casket. Uh, so this is Taker's revenge on Yoko. Uh, there wasn't a terrible amount of build on this. It was focused around Chuck Norris mainly and some of the, um, you know, Yoko still being afraid of the casket and all that stuff. So I went two stars. It was fine. Uh, better than the, the slot from SummerSlam for sure. Um, it just, again, it's tough to end a show with a match like this when you have so much better stuff on the card above it. Like, I get not wanting to end with Backlund and you want to go on a good note. Uh, so I, I get this one a little bit more than I did SummerSlam. And you probably have a little more faith in a Taker Yoko than you would a Taker Taker. Uh, but I also think there's a world we could have maybe ended with uh, bad guys Teamsters um, mm. as well in the, in the show with Razor. Like there's a precedent there for SummerSlam for Star Series before this. Like 91 ends that way. You know, like with that's Boston what I'm thinking of. Yeah. And so like you could have done something like that where Razor stands tall. I guess the only thing you lose, but it could have been like showing up Raw the next night was uh or the monday following sean throwing the belt in the trash and leaving um you probably maybe lose that moment or you or you could squeeze it in late in the show but again this one to me is a little bit more understandable why they would close the show with taker yoko yeah especially given that you have the ace in the hole you have height Mm -hmm. of powers chuck norris in texas um that is again like it's wwe using local celebrity but it's also a national celebrity um even a little bit like worldwide known celebrity at this point like chuck norris was a really big deal um so i yeah, do think Walker, like that Texas ranger was like peaked at this point right like this is it was like a big deal at that point right yeah it's like one of those shows that like your grandparents watch like <laughs> it, it's a it's but a like everyone deal. knew walker texas ranger like yeah even if you didn't watch it like you knew of it and yeah that show ran from um that was eight seasons where the hell did it start 93 to 01 so it's like the gates yeah we're like two years into the to the show um and everyone knew it everyone knew it you all knew walker texas ranger that's the first thing you thought of at that point for chuck norris yeah and i always forget about this match just because like yoko is so like on and off tv and like you said he's running on fumes here like we're not going to see yokozuna again for a little bit um so yeah it's kind of sad to see yoko in, in this state but i don't know like taker and yoko always kind of bring the goods like relatively speaking like this this could have been better but at the same time like given yokozuna's condition um it wasn't the worst right and i I don't know who else you could have put in here anyway like none of the corporation guys really yeah yeah so two stars for me all right so that gives us a total war of 0.75 uh when you net out all our grades so not getting a lot of help from the matches in this one no, even even the the all time class, not all time classic, but the the big heart backland match, you know, doesn't even bring it up that much. Yeah, and and the opener's good too. It's just that the doink match and the main event really drag this one down, um, big time from a match grade standpoint. Despite my right. best efforts, you tried. <laughs> tried to give it a absurd rating to the clowns match, but wasn't that bad? Build, uh, we gave a point to Backland and Bret Hart, which had really good build, honestly. Like, I think that's one maybe could have got a couple bumps. But uh, the build started in July when Backland turned heel and really simmered for a while. Once they got past SummerSlam, they heated it up big time in the fall. Uh, the Chuck Norris build and, and hype was pretty good. And then all the Luger million-dollar corporation stuff. 
Um, I didn't, I'm sorry, I'm not giving a, a bill to Doink King, even though they spent a lot of time on it, uh, because it was stupid. Yeah, like, it got a lot of time, but that doesn't necessarily make it good. Um, the Luger, or excuse me, the uh, Doink and King stuff was just kind of there. Um, although, you know, I did love it. Um, but that was that was me as a five-year-old. Um, All right, what do you got for our negative uh, minus on the build side? So minus collectively, uh, the little people mayhem. Um, I, yeah, like uh, it, sh- it should have been on the pay-per-view. I understand like they want attractions for the pay-per-view, but this would have been better off on Raw or Superstars or the Survivor Series showdown. Literally anywhere else except for actually on the main card, especially when you don't get the sweet Alundra Blaze and Bull Nakano match and you kind of look at this match and think maybe that eat into it. Um, not a lot of other real build heading into this card. And also Yoko and Taker. Not uh, Just not a ton of build there. And in 1994, if you are relying on Doink the Clown to have to carry a pay-per-view match, you may not be in the best shape. Um, and that might be just because they're so, like, again, like that opening matchup has so many like top stars um you know so kind of relying on doing the clown to carry one of those matches um put you put you in bad shape and doing's relevance really ended at mania when him and dink lost to bigelow and luda and put that oh yeah in bed. like that yeah. that was really it after that it's been been nothing i'm trying to think if there's like anyone else on the card you could have stuck in even with doink and lawler and done another survivor match um I don't know, I'd have to look at some of the rosters at that point to see like who was around in late '94 that could have, you know, they, that they could have split up with and and done a little bit differently. But either way, I think we've hopped on it enough. It was, it was a waste of a slot. All right, so minus one total for Bills uh, coming out of this commentary. The plus side, uh, you know, we gave a little bump to Vince and Gorilla. It's the only time they ever do a pay per view together. It's Gorilla's last pay per view in the announce booth, so it's it's historical there. Uh, you know, it is like a almost feels like a grandfather with his grandson or something, like calling the show, like, you know, um, just like this getting it was like a dream moment for Vince to have Gorilla. I remember as a kid being kind of upset, actually, a little bit about it, um, because I think I just got conditioned to maybe thinking like, oh, well, if King's wrestling and DiBiase or something, maybe someone cool will show up and be a new new commentator or someone fresh. And then to just see Gorilla felt like a little bit of a letdown. Uh, but they they were still pretty good on the show. Uh, the commentary I thought did a great job selling Diesel and Sean's issues throughout their match and at the end. And also, um, I thought Vince was masterful <laughs> in the heart backland stuff. Uh, we, you know, we, we kind of ripped him on our last episode for the Undertaker going over the top. But I thought for this, they really did a nice job of, um, oh, he really did a nice job of selling this and going over the top without going completely over the top. Yeah, Vince kind of like flashback to like the Allentown days of <laughs> WWF. Uh, Vince really brought the goods, I uh, I thought. And talking about, you know, I don't know, the passing of the torch or like, you know, the first and only time we're going to see Gorilla and Vince in the booth together. Um, it felt like um, like dad and granddad throwing the football one more time. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's really sad to put it that way. But um, especially since Macho Man, I think, had just left. Yeah, it was a couple weeks before this. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they don't have anybody else to to slot in there. So, um, Stan Lane, was he still around? <laughs> no, yeah, no. they didn't. I mean, at least it wasn't like Pengill, I guess, or something. But they, Gorilla was, was your best choice for sure. Yeah, they could have had Stan Lane. I know he's there. Um, Yeah, that, that, that would have been a good option. You can see why they go get 
Doc Hendricks in 95. Like, they needed a backup. <laughs> yeah. With, um, you know, with DiBiase kind of out of the booth now, full-time manager, like, they didn't really have anyone on the depth chart behind Lawler um, to be out there, so. Yeah, especially, like, when you're talking about characters, too, like Macho Man, Lawler, um, Ted DiBiase. Like, those are all characters in the right. booth. So, yeah, they needed they need another character like Doc Hendricks. Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, because late 94 into early 95 Raw, even they rotate like a bunch too. like Sean does a few and like they have different voices in the in the color commentary spot, not just King in that stretch there too to mix it up. Because, again, they're just a little thin. Mm-hmm. I think Crush does one, right? Yeah, it's a bunch of weird, weird guys, like all randomly just like pick up a Raw here and there. It's like a bunch of random heels uh, doing the color color commentary. And Johnny Polo, that's that's another person who's missing. Like I know he's been out for a little bit. I think he's gone. Bit. I think he's gone by this point. Yeah, he's definitely gone. But he's so he's somebody else who like they kind of pegged to be in that, oh, that right, slot. Yeah. yeah, and he because he, he doesn't show up in ECW till uh, early January '95. So I don't know if he was already gone, um, or if he was just like on the sidelines. Like could they have brought him back in? Uh, no, I mean, it's, he left in October. His final match was October 2nd. His last appearance at a house show was October 21st. So, I don't know, maybe they could have tried and brought him back for, like, this show, you know? Yeah, either way, he's out the door, so. Right. Yeah. Cole Gorilla. Yeah, he shows up in Raven as Raven early 95. All right, what do you got for uh, minus on the commentary? I mean, on the um, his- yeah commentary. For as good as Vince was uh, in the Hart Backlund match, um, he is equally as bad in the um, Kings Court and Clowns Are Us match. Um, complete over the top, yuck yuck, Vince McMahon, ha <laughs> ha, laughing uh, over the little people. Um, and I think we both felt like they could have done a lot more to help the Luger and DiBiase story, especially since Lex was in there for so long towards. Uh, the back end of his matchup, they really did that no favors. And again, like just Lex Luger, they he's still being presented as like somebody you're supposed to care about, but the booking has done him no favors and commentary reflects that. Yeah, I'd agree with those both. Um, just not helping the Luger. It just feels dead in the water already. Um, you know, we'll cover the corporation in a decent amount throughout these couple seasons around this time period. And, we're already seeing it kind of be a little bit of a heat suck, <laughs> not as bad as it'll get, but it's creeping. And yeah, the commentary doesn't help uh, put that over much at all. Atmosphere. Uh, again, more heart family drama. You got Stu and Helen in the crowd. You got the Bulldog and Owen at ringside. You got everything playing out. So again, that adds for the second straight show, a ton of uh, just a real fun energy. Uh, the Chuck Norris pop like that felt cool seeing him there. Uh, Diesel's pop. Again, super over as he's just destroying guys on that team and then walks out. And I've always been a fan of the Southwest motif on this show. Yeah. I thought they do a nice job with the color hues, even right down to Gorilla Vince's uh, shirts uh, and the cowboy hats and uh, the cactus and the in the um and the like sunset and like the logos and design. So I thought they did a nice job. Even the music, the theme is like kind of Western sounding. So I thought they did a really good job making this stand out. Like when you think of this show, I immediately picture like that Southwest feel. Yes, yep. I I remember Undertaker like in the desert. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was the WWF magazine 
add heading into the Survivor Series. Um, but yeah, they did a wonderful job really branding and setting up the atmosphere for this pay-per-view. Um, as far as minuses, boy, ain't nothing happening for Clowns R Us and um, <laughs> King's Court. Um, as much as I was into it, the crowd, the crowd was not. Dead. And the crowd is also pretty dead for, for Luger. Um, again, like that back into the matchup, they're just really not into it. And I think commentary even mentions like the crowd is in a bit of a hush from Brett losing mm-hmm. to Backlund and from what they witnessed. I thought that was a good way to try to cover it up, but right. um, they're just not up for Lex Luger, unfortunately. Especially just him getting owned again. Maybe <laughs> runs through that team or something, they'd be up for him. But in 1994 by King Kong Bundy. Right, just, just done. Uh, all right, big moments in importance. We got we got a handful here. So we got the Diesel Sean split, which finally happened. Sean super kicks him for the third time. Then he leaves, throws the title belt in the trash. Diesel stalks after him. Sean speeds off. So this relationship that's been in place for a year and a half now uh, is is now fractured, and Diesel suddenly without titles and uh, on the on the warpath. So that's in there. You got Backlund winning the world title his first in over 10 years and the big heel turns such a big moment. Uh, we gave another point to girl and Vince for big moments and importance. Again, just what it means to the two of them to be able to call the show together. The end of the Yoko's main event run we thought was worth calling out is important. It's mm-hmm. from here on out. He's kind of just a tag guy and or upper mid Carter, but like this is his last, really his last main event and last time he's presented in a way um, at that level, you know, kind of headlining a pay-per-view. And finally, all the heart stuff as well. Just the Helen and Stu and Bulldog and Owen. Just it's all great stuff. A lot of big moments all throughout that match. Yeah, like Yoko's going to hang around for a couple more years, but really, this is this is the end of him as a main eventer. And it really started at Survivor Series '92 with the squash yep. of Virgil. Um, so yeah, like sad to see, but I mean, Yoko really did have a good run there for those two years. And again, like the Hart family stuff. Like, they went all in with it, and it produced. Um, event after event, we're really seeing, like, the Hart family stuff, and now it's spinning off into into Backlund becoming champion and, like, tying that story in. Um, it's it's paying off multiple times over, in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, Want to get into the minuses here? Yeah, see so the minuses on the uh, importance. All right. Um, we have a weird use of Razor Ramon. Like Razor Ramon is a pretty big character. Um, again, a top five character, in my opinion, mm-hmm. especially when you get to the good guy side of the equation. And he just kind of benefits from the other team arguing and getting counted out. So weird use of Razor Ramon there. Uh, a, a waste of the awesome heel team that was assembled. Yes. Uh, like Again, they just all get counted out. Historically bad stuff. Um, I guess that's more so you, not me. But no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> together, uh, it is bad. Um, doing the Clowns are Us King's Court stuff. Mm-hmm. That is historically bad. And a waste of Lex Luger. Um, again, yeah. Yeah, again. And I, I absolutely love Lex Luger. But, I mean, this is getting pretty down the dumps here. Like, this is, um, I don't know. They've, they've really, like, bottomed out on Lex Luger. And... I hope hopefully as we go, like it gets a little bit better, but yeah, they've really bottomed down on Lex Luger. Yeah. I mean, yes, I, I think we, we hit it all pretty much right there. The, the razor one's interesting because the match is good, but it's just, 
he's almost our forgotten. Like that whole match is so centered on Diesel and Sean, you almost forget he's even in there. Yeah. So and then yeah, that awesome heel team all getting counted out. All right, match grades. We talked about three quarters uh, or 0.75, I should say, uh, war. So that's out of there. Card structure. I think the right open, you know, right opener was in place, despite what we, you know some of the flaws that are baked in. I think it was the right mix of guys to put out there. And I, I guess on this one, it was the right decision to have the title match in the middle because of the way it goes with Backlund winning and the crowd being in shock. Probably would have been a tough way to end end the night. So I think it makes sense probably to put that there and just point the bullet and end with it. Yoko and Taker and hope for the best. Yeah, we've kind of drawn comparisons to Survivor Series 19, 1991 a little bit. And again, the precedent is set there with a the title match mm-hmm. being in the middle of the show. So um, I thought it fit here as well. All right, how about the minuses on the structure? Uh, minuses. <sighs> Big minus for the, the women's match getting scrapped. Mm-hmm. Um, we got kind of the recap from what happened in Japan, but we would have liked to see that happen here on the pay-per-view. Uh, we hit a minus for the ending to the opener. Uh, we've already touched on that. Um, way too much time given to King's Court and Clowns R Us. And a so-so, even bad main event. Um, you know, that, I don't know, there's room for improvement there. Right. Yeah, bad's probably strong, but just, I mean, a tough match to end with, basically. <laughs> this is way right, it. yeah. Again, like when the big payoff is Chuck Norris, um, mm-hmm. who's not going to be taking any bumps or going to be, <laughs> be on Raw the next week. Um, right. You know, maybe you should, I don't know, maybe, like you said, maybe that was a better spot for the uh, Teamsters and um, and Bad Guys match to be there. Okay, rewatchability. Uh, the I'm sorry, no, did we do the minuses for cross structure? Yeah, we did. Okay. All right. Rewatchability. Uh, the world title match, I, I think, despite the time length and the way it, it runs, uh, definitely is, is very watchable. Um, it's an easy watch, which has been our trend for this stretch as well. It's a quick watch. Only five matches, under three hours. The opener is fun, and the commentary is pretty good with Gorilla and Vince. So uh, I, I think it hits a lot of points for, for rewatchability. Yeah, this is fun to to pop back on and, and watch through. And again, like the midway point of the show is – a great match between Brett and Backlund. Um, and then after that, uh, you know, it kind of resets with uh, the Luger and DiBiase stuff. And then you settle in for uh, Walker, Texas Ranger roundhouse, kicking Jeff Jarrett in the face. <laughs> yes. <So, laughs> um, you want to get into the minuses for the uh, rewatchability? Yep. Let me hit that. Clowns are us versus Kings court. Again, a lot of time dedicated to that. And then the main event. It's the main event matchup. It's the main attraction that brings you there. And I would say the match itself. I mean, it doesn't deliver. Our grade reflects that going with the two. Um, you know, that's that's below war. And no all-time matches because we're a little bit short on Brett Backlund. So that gives us a total score of 7.75 for Survivor Series 94. Uh, so a pretty solid score. That puts it second now. Uh, just behind SummerSlam, which was at a nine, and comfortably above King of the Ring, which was at a six uh, and a half. So, I mean, I think it's a pretty, I, I think this would be a surprising one to people to hear that 775 on this show to be that high. Uh, but Brett and Backlund carries it, and uh, the opener helps, and it's got some memorable, important moments, which also helps carry it too. Um, even the main event not being 
as bad as SummerSlams and being kind of fine it helps it. I think the only real downside uh, is the doink Waller stuff, and even that, you you buoyed up a little bit. So, yeah, uh, the main event doesn't completely bottom out. Like it, it clocks right. in at two for us. And another big thing that helps is the atmosphere. Again, mm-hmm. like they go all in with we're in the Southwest in San Antonio and all the the just the, the decorations and everything like that, and the shirts and the hats. Like that all adds a lot to the fun of watching the show. Agreed. All right. North Tail Connection. Uh, God, this show's come at you almost every day at this point, Marcus. Uh, mainly wrestling, but also some sports and pop culture. Uh, really proud of all the content. A lot of it like this is kind of evergreen. So outside of a couple shows, you really uh, can listen to stuff at any time and not be you know, lost in the shuffle or fall behind. Because it can all just be there waiting for you when you're ready, whether it's covering you know, ECW in the mid-90s, TNA in the early 2000s, uh, the Ruthless Aggressive era of WWE in 02, 03, uh, the New Generation WWF era, kind of what we're touching on here a little bit, but there's a dedicated show around that. Wrestling Warzone, covering the Monday Night Wars of the mid-90s, and then even right down to some current stuff like you and Tim on Viewer's Choice. We have an AEW podcast. Uh, Ryan Gray delivers uh, pay-per-view previews and other uh, shows to highlight in WWE. So just a lot of cool stuff across the spectrum. JT the Pog guy on my Twitter. If you look at my uh, Twitter profile, there's a, a tweet pinned that lists all the shows and kind of has a rundown of each show. So if you're curious what else we have to offer, it's a quick way to find out there. Uh, Marcus, anything you want to plug before we move on to our second show? Uh, I think you pretty much covered everything. The only other thing I wanted to add to it was uh, the Cronoso project that we've got going on. Yes. Where uh, we've got basically uh, half the feed is split covering uh, WCW in the Crockett days, starting with Starrcade 83. And then we also have the other half of the participants going over the PG era of WWE, uh, starting a little bit before the PG era officially began, but that kicked off with WrestleMania 24 and a recap of that. Yeah, those are really fun projects. So if you're into kind of chrono- chronological watches, and what I like about them is we're going to have rotating uh, hosts. Like for, So for the Crockett... Um, you know, it'd be, it'd be different panel every episode. And what I like for the PG era is it's standard, it's set static teams, but you guys are all splitting up the work. So like there's two folks doing raw two doing ECW two doing SmackDown. Um, so you get like uh, different voices throughout the episode and then you get the watcher, Tim Taylor <laughs> kind of overseeing it all, uh, piecing it together. So it's, it's a really cool project the way it's been structured. Yeah. Big shout out to Tim Taylor. He's really, uh, the man in the middle helping out both sides there. Uh, I don't know if the project would be uh, as highly functioning as it is without him. So big shout out to Tim. Thank you, buddy. All right. Let's get into our fourth pay-per-view of this season, the second tonight, and that is Royal Rumble 1995. So let's run down the card. Get into our match grades, and then we'll get into uh, the overall numbers. So our opener here, we kind of mentioned it at Survivor Series that Jeff Jarrett was starting to work his way into the IC title picture. And that starts here as he does challenge Razor Ramon for the IC belt. It's an interesting match. We kind of get the dusty finish where Razor's knee gets taken out by the roadie, gets counted out. Jarrett baits him big, calls him a chicken and baits him back in. And then (laughs) Razor's knee ends up going out and Jarrett beats him. I do like that story. I just wish we did it without the dusty finished chicken stuff like i think it could have been just as effective if he just hurts his knee and then it gives out and he wins the match but as is 
This is my, my never-ending, undying grade for Jeff Jarrett and Scott Hall matches. Two and three quarters, whether it's in WF, TNA, WCW, wherever it may be. Um, it'll forever be two and three quarters, these guys. So that's my opener right there. Yeah, they did a little something extra there with uh, you know, the, the fake-out dusty finish. Um, but they didn't need it. I think it, it would have been two and, a, two and three quarters uh, mm-hmm. whether they did that spot or not. So same for me. Okay. Uh, all right. The two banes of our existence here as we have uh, The Undertaker taking on IRS, two of our least favorite performers of the season. And this is all part of the Million Dollar Corporation feud that's really been rolling since Undertaker vanquished the fake Undertaker at SummerSlam. Ted DiBiase has been a thorn in his side at Survivor Series, uh, which we didn't really mention earlier in the night, but IRS interfered in that match. We got a false finish out of it where he attacked The Undertaker, um, kind of playing on the death and taxes angle for them. Um, but that is, uh, you know, a big part of that match. And that leads to this here, just a super boring snoozer. Uh, it, it is in no way interesting. This is one where I knew going in, my mind would not be changed with a rewatch. Uh, but this match goes 12, 21, which is just a lot of IRS abdominal stretches and shit locks. Yes. Uh, so side one note, star. Yeah, one uh, star, I'm with you. One star. This is the first pay-per-view that, like, my parents ordered. We went over to my aunt and uncle's house and ordered the pay-per-view, and I'm sure they split it or, you know, whatever adults do there. Um, but all I knew was I was watching 1995 Royal Rumble. Um, but matches like this are a reason why I was not allowed to get another pay-per-view until 2003. Jeez. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, IRS and Undertaker, very much. One star. Well deserved. I feel like that's even high. It, it's generous. It, it was generous. Um, I mean, they did a, like a fair amount of work. It doesn't necessarily mean it was good, but like, I guess it like it wasn't business exposing. Like, I think once you start getting below one star, it's like, okay, this completely exposed the business. This really looked fake. Like, mm-hmm. this was just straight up like not good at all. Um, no. I, I just had the thought. They had the Undertaker. And Lex Luger simultaneously feuding with the Million Dollar Corporation. But at any time, did Lex Luger and Undertaker ever team up to face the Million Dollar Corporation? I mean, maybe on like some house show or something, but I don't think so. The past never crossed on TV. That blows my mind. That seems like a lot of money left on the table. But I guess it wasn't meant to be. Could have had Undertaker with the uh, USA uh, imprint on his jacket again. The, the inside of the jacket. <laughs> yeah, I could have brought it back, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't I mean, maybe. Um, either way, I'm fine with not seeing anything else with the Undertaker and IRS, regardless of format. All right, Bret Hart versus Diesel for the World Heavyweight title, the second in their series. We covered the one at King of the Ring. I like this one a lot, too, even though there's a lot of kerfluffling going on. Multiple interferences, multiple start and stops, and it ends in just getting thrown out. Um, I actually like the build to this one too because Brett's on a little more edgy, and this is before Diesel gets milk toast as well. Uh, he's, you know, he's still kind of got his edge to him. So this really feels like two guys both with with a little heel tint to their um, attitudes going into this match. Uh, again, I think all the start and stops hurt it, but it also builds a, a decent feel of chaos. So I give it four stars. I like it slightly better than King of the Ring, um, and it, it could have been better with just a little uh, less of the nonsense and a little more focus. Yeah, I think what's cool about this is you've got Bret Hart coming off the story where he loses the title, 
without really losing it, like, yes, he lost the match, but he didn't say that he quit and his mom got tricked into throwing in the towel mm-hmm. for him. Um, so even by the rules of the match, he didn't lose correctly either. Um, didn't lose fair and square. So now he's kind of seeing what Bob Backlund was going through. And now he's right. kind of feeling like how Bob Backlund was. And on the switch of that, you've got a very quick WWF title turnaround where Diesel is now the new Hulk Hogan. And the World Wrestling Federation is running on Diesel Power. So mm-hmm. this is kind of like the match we never got between like Bitter Backlund and Hulk Hogan. Right. Um, but like you said, like Diesel hasn't been like completely whitewashed yet. Like he's not the corporate champion yet. Like he's he's still coming out of that um that heel diesel character where he still has his edge to him. Um yeah, they did a lot of extra in this match. Um I do think it helped to like kind of work around like you can't completely heal up Bret Hart here. You can't completely heal up Diesel. Um but it is a big time match that like, okay, Brett does deserve his rematch and like did deserve to be number one contender. So like you got to deliver on the match too. So I think it's a, a rare good case of overbooking, but it is a lot. Yeah. Um, I went four and a quarter on it. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was a big match, but it almost was one that put them in the corner right away because you're not going to Brett lose again this soon. Like after losing yeah. Backlund. And you're not ready to take the belt off Diesel, so you knew there was going to be some kind of screwy finish. So they just go all in on the screwiness and not even, like, hedging it. Um, and they just keep having everyone interfere, so. Yeah, I think it's, it's it almost, like, tugs on, on the, the heartstrings a little bit, at least for me, like, being a huge Bret Hart fan, mm-hmm. uh, then, now, and forever, that, like, all right, I'm going to witness Bret Hart get the WWF title back. And then, like, you have the DQ finish. It's like, oh, no, he's not going to get it back. But then the match restarts. Okay, he can get it back now. Right. But then there's another DQ finish. and uh, Oh, but the match restarted again. Okay, this is going to be it. <laughs> and, then, right. and then they just, just throw it everybody out. Everybody runs it. It gets thrown out. So, um, yeah, very disappointed with that. All right. Then we have our tag team title match. The one, two, three kid and Bob Holly against Bigelow and Tatanka. This was the final of the tag team title tournament of the Smoking Guns. Um, <clears throat> had been forced to vacate due to injury. And I, I think it's a bit of an upset when Kid and Holly win over Bigelow and Tatanka, given the size. And then, of course, right after this, uh, we get the Lawrence Taylor stuff coming off of it. But uh, as is, I, I think it's a very good match. Uh, the big little stuff. You get all the power guys thrown around the little guys. So there's a lot of cool stuff there um, thrown in as well. So I went three and a quarter. I, I like the finish, too, with the underdogs winning. It's a little goofy where Bigelow to kind of do the old British Bulldogs dream team thing where they collide and Bigelow falls and <laughs> smacks his head. But um, I think it was a good way to give the underdogs the win and set Bigelow up to be frustrated after the match. So uh, three and a quarter for me. Yeah, it's a nice feel good moment with the underdogs getting the win, especially after like we've largely had heels up in the night. Um, so this was a feel good moment. Um, I went three and a quarter as well. Uh, I think it could have got to three and a half for me, but. The heat segment is just a little bit middling um, right. before Kid comes in and, and really turns on the Jets for this match. But three and a quarter is still really good. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and then the Royal Rumble match. So to me, I always have a baseline for a Rumble. Like, I'll never probably go lower than two and a half because even those boring Rumbles are still fun to watch. There's so much going on. There's usually a few spots in there. Um, this was obviously one of the worst ones because we only get the 60 second intervals. A lot of, you know, scrubs in there. 
unbelievable you know, guys you never believe could win. Uh, but that said, they do have some talent, so it's also disappointing because it's just misused. Like this is the fallout from the Brett Diesel stuff that hurts because they pay it off by Brett coming out and taking out Owen and Backlund. And so that's two stars and believable potential winners that don't even really get to be in the match. Um, those are guys that could have been in there at the end to help buoy the talent level at the end of the match. Uh, as is, you know, Shawn Michaels show, obviously, uh, I got Pamela Anderson out there. He goes one to one to the end. Uh, British Bulldog has a great showing as well. Even Luger has a good showing too. This might be one of his best outings since uh, WrestleMania. So um, I, I went two seven five. It's an easy to watch rumble. Yes, it's on the lower end of rumbles, but to me, even the worst rumble is still pretty good. Um, this is absolutely the worst Royal Rumble to me. Uh, I went one star um, just for again, like some of that is the disappointment of like my childhood memory of like, all right, cool. I'm going to watch the Royal Rumble. Oh, wait, it's not as long as it usually is. Like it felt like a punishment. Like, why is it being cut in half? And right. it's being cut in half. And then, like, you see, okay, the participants. But, like, we've had other Royal Rumbles that, like, you know, yeah, weren't not the most bad. star-studded. But it wasn't this bad. Like, this is a, a new all-time bad for the Royal Rumble. Um, And you touched on it, too. You cannot afford to have both Backlund and Owen Hart out of this matchup so quickly. Like, right. I can understand Backlund, maybe. um, But Owen Hart... Like, you know, Backlund is still being pushed as a threat at this point. Like, he was, if you yeah. watch those Raws in 94 and early 95, like, he's still in the mix. So, like, you had to have them in the, at the end. I, it's an egregious. That's their biggest mix, misstep. Yeah, like, I understand, I guess, like, where I'm coming from. Like, if you want to have Backlund in and, like, he's the big guy that you think could be a favorite that gets eliminated quickly. Almost like the DiBiase in 92. Right. Um, I'm, you know, going out way sooner than he would have thought. Like, I can understand going for that, but you cannot have Owen Hart after all the time. And we've seen his trek uh, as we've done this. Like, you cannot have Owen Hart in there for the little amount of time that he is um, and just have him, him dumped over the top rope and be forgotten about. And, again, like, one thing we're kind of noticing is, like, these shows are being dedicated to like building one guy. Like we saw it mm-hmm. with King of the Ring. And now we're seeing it again here with Royal Rumble. Like they're going all in with Sean. Like for better or for worse. And right. for me, like show. Yeah, it's his show. And maybe the right call in retrospect would have been Owen winning it, just like Brett did in ninety four. And maybe we get to I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we get to a Brett Owen singles match. I don't know. But um yeah. Sean was winning this and it was his it was his night to shine. Um, but that said, it was not an impressive fashion. I am not impressed with a 30 minute performance. Um, well, just, for context, this match is only three minutes longer than Brett and Backlund. That. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's not going to work. for me. That's a no for me, dog. Yeah. One star. That, that's nuts. All right. So there's your match grade. So that nets out to 0.5. So not a ton of help, but no negatives still, which you may have thought coming into this. It could have been. So let's start with the build. Uh, We gave a point to Pamela Anderson. They put a lot of time spent into her um, talking her up and being at the show. So point for that. Uh, A point for Brett and Diesel, which I think did have some good build with Brett coming back and being kind of bitter. And Diesel basically saying like, fuck you, I'm the champion. Come get me. Uh, the tag tourney was was well done and built to a final here. 
and then Sean laying out his goals that he was going to win the Royal Rumble. He was fine being number one, uh, and he was going to um, do this and go to Mania and win the title. Yeah, that all checks out. Again, great use of like culturally relevant celebrity Pam Anderson. Mm-hmm. Like, again, this is height of power is Pam Anderson, and they've got her. Um, and I mean, they make a great use of, use out of her. Like, she's all over the promotional material. She's all over the ads. Like, she's actually here in person. Um, they do a couple segments with her. So, like, thought that was a great use of Pam Anderson. Um. As, do anything else you uh you know want to talk about 95 pam anderson or <laughs> no no it was good you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> star good star usage yeah um as far as the minuses like a terrible rumble field um like it doesn't get any worse than this like this is as bottomed out as it's gonna get mm-hmm. um we have again irs and a big time featured matchup on pay-per-view that's always gonna ding you um and then neither one of us could really remember like any build for the intercontinental title match. Like we know that Jarrett's kind of been built up for this, but as far as the matchup itself, we don't have any real recollection of, of the build up to this match. Like I know there's going to be a feud coming out of this, but going into it, this kind of seemed almost out of nowhere. Yeah, I agree. Um, they do it a little bit with like Rody showing up and stuff, but it's, yeah, there's not a ton put in like with them directly for sure. Uh, so yeah, no, I think that that's that, and that that nets out a plus one on the build. Uh, commentary, we didn't have any positives. It was it was just Vince and King kind of doing Vince and King things. King's kind of annoying during the Rumble. He does a thing where he keeps changing his mind. Uh, there was one funny memorable moment where Vince says something like. Um, like two men will never win the rumble. And the King's like, well, last year it happened. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so otherwise nothing good. Yeah. And they seem more interested in talking about, uh, what's the Super Bowl this year? I think it's chargers and 49ers. Yes. Like they seem more interested in talking about that, which I guess is going to happen in another week than, um, really <laughs> anything else that's going to happen tonight, uh, at the, at that show. So, yeah, just their overall performance, uh, we dinged them for minus one. Not a strong night for them. All right, so that's that. Atmosphere, uh, it's the end of the Purple Banners mm. for the Royal Rumble, so that's cool. Uh, I like the ring. We like the ring and commentary setup with the commentator table out in the back. Kind of looked neat. It was different. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was they were hot for the celebrities, like for Pam being out there. It was kind of a big deal. So And LT as well which we didn't talk about a lot yet. Yeah, we didn't really touch on LT, but that was a big get for them too. Um, the crowd was really into that. Um, uh, and then the setup. I don't know why they wouldn't go back to this. I don't know if this was just like a specific, uh, like a building specific setup that they needed to do, but I thought it was really cool how they had like the cam overlooking commentary that like was also on level with the ring. Like mm-hmm. thought thought that was neat. It was definitely unique. Like that's one of the things for the show. You can say like, it's a unique memorable look to it. Yeah. It's a sad end to the purple banner era Mm -hmm. of the Royal rumble. Yep. Uh, that said though, for negative kind of offsets, we said it's a small potatoes building. It's, it's a tiny little, you know, Tampa sun dome. It's kind of a dump for our rumble. (laughs) So it's, um, that takes away for it a little bit, even though it's a cool look, it's, it's a tiny little building. Yeah, like it, it kind of looks like a, a cool building with like the translucent um, ceiling, but um, 
Yeah, like by the end, it just kind of looks like kind of dark and tight and like, I don't know, almost a little little dingy. Um, just well, it's not like overall a, the best look. Yeah, it's like Sean's big win is in this tiny barn, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, like they're trying to make are, it such a big deal and it's just like this tiny little building. Yeah, no, just the imagery doesn't go with it. All right, big moments in importance. We gave a, a plus for Lawrence Taylor and Bigelow, obviously. We haven't talked a lot about it yet. We'll talk about it more in our next episode, but it was a big moment. It was a big deal when uh, Lawrence Taylor shows up and Bigelow shows him to the ground, and they would get tons of coverage and play off of that over the next uh, couple months. So big deal there. Shawn Michaels obviously winning the World Rumble is a big deal, going on to Mania. Jeff Jarrett winning the IC title for the first time. Uh, Bigelow, I mean, um, Kid and Holly winning the tag titles was a, a important moment big moment uh good promos we had as one so i guess was that like the pre-rumble stuff yeah i think after like every match they'd go backstage and like talk mm. to the winner they talked to like the next next match coming up and all the promos really hit i thought they were all really good i know and they then, did a little bit with the uh, action zone too because i think this was was this uh the beginning of the action zone or early days of the action zone because i know they do the the special with brett yeah, it started um, in late 94, Action Zone. Okay, so, yeah, they're still, like, incorporating that in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they did a good job there. And then uh, we actually gave a point to the Bundy-Mabel face-to-face, which the crowd got super hot for. Bundy came in, they <laughs> stared really out. did. Yeah, it was a cool moment. So we wanted to call it out. Like, it's not all trash in that Rumble. That was a, that was a cool bit. So it, it was one of the few highlights of the Rumble outside of Sean and Bulldog. Yeah, there's not many highlights, but that was mm-hmm. one of them. That was enjoyable. All um, right, what do we get for the minuses? Yeah, moving on to the minuses. Undertaker, IRS. Um, won't believe we're that home anymore. Uh, we got Kama stealing the chain. Again, like, it just continues. Like, they find new ways to make this <laughs> yes. feud continue, and it probably shouldn't. <laughs> um, we got the waste of studs, uh, as we mentioned. We have a lame finish to the title match. Uh Again, like they booked themselves into a corner with Brett and with Diesel and 60 second intervals for the Royal Rumble. And even then, some of those entries felt a little quick. So not the strongest night there. Um, I I hate the 60 second interval so bad. Like it's such a bad rumble. It doesn't help at all at all. They didn't do Sean any favors um, as a result of that. And then, yeah, just the, the title match finish. Uh, hurts that for sure and then just the studs owen backland uh actually like i said i think they do use luger pretty well in this match but um owen and backland like picture the final four is owen backland luger bulldog sean the final five like that immediately makes this match much stronger and you can have maybe owen go from like 10 till the end so you got bulldog and him in there the whole time like just could have been much more going on yeah that could have done a lot better especially playing off like all the tv that's been coming into this and like all the stories that they still have interwoven, but they just kind of abandoned ship there. Okay, uh, match grades we talked about was 0.75. Uh, I'm sorry, no, match grades was 0.5 uh, for that. So then we have the card structure. Uh, the Rumble closes the show, so we give them credit for that. That's about it. Yeah, um, as far as card structure, the, the minuses. The title match restarts because it's not just one match. It's two matches. It's the Intercontinental title match. We have to restart. And then we have it in the world title match as well. So I understand they're different, but they're also kind of the same thing. Like you're still getting restarts to the title matches. Um, So 
don't know. I think pick one, whether it's the Intercontinental title match or it's the the world title match, like pick one and really make it count. But sprinting out over two matches, I thought was, um, I don't know if it was lazy, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know how many it, times it was you... completely not needed in the Razor match. Right. Like I don't, it didn't add anything because he lost anyway. So like, what are you protecting? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like he won by count out at first. He lost twice. <laughs> it just yeah. like it was just not needed at all. Especially yes, to your point. Like if we're doing that in the main event or in the title match, like did we really need that twice? Yeah, it, it's overkill. Overkill of, of a good thing. All right, rewatchability. Um, again, it's our mantra for this season. Quick shows. Uh, it's an easy watch. It's a quick watch. The world title match is is rewatchable despite the finish. I think Sean's performance is, you know, has some rewatchability to it. Again, it's it's quick and he's he's really good in it. Like I don't think we're giving him I know you hate him. But we're not giving him enough credit, I don't think, for that match. Um and then the tag title match too is a lot of fun, especially the LT stuff after. Sean puts on a great performance for thirty minutes with um one of the worst, probably not just one of like the worst field of rumble entrance in history. So um yeah, he does a good job. He does a good job with what he has to work with, but it's only 30 minutes. So eh. a real man would have done it in 60, but eh. (laughs) (laughs) all right. Uh, What do we get for the minuses? Uh, Lame rumble is what we have marked down verbatim and Taker IRS again. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Making sure I never see another pay-per-view for eight years. <laughs> All right, so that nets out to two, and for card structure was a zero. Uh, so that brings our total score for Rumble 95 to a 5.5, which places it uh, last right now uh, amongst what we have. So we have SummerSlam 94 at nine, Survivor Series 94 at 775, King of the Ring 94 at 65, and Rumble 95 at 55. Anything jump out of you of those first four rankings uh, that you think is different than you would have expected? I wouldn't have expected rumble to finish that much below king of the ring mm-hmm. um again like a full point well, your difference. Fault, so you should expect it i mean it is my fault but um i'll take ownership of it mm-hmm. um but yeah i think that just goes to prove like how bad this rumble really hurts his card from a king of the ring card that right i mean both cards have a brett diesel match which is around the same grade for us but um so that evens out but like this rumble match really brings down the overall grade of the show plus another taker irs um performance yeah i think i think i would have figured this to go the way it's going I, I maybe i think survivor series being that much higher than these two is probably a surprise mm. uh, to me i think i would have guessed SummerSlam would have been number one of the four so that's not really but yeah it's just this is not enough I don't know. Like, you look at it, like, do you feel like we're giving enough credit for the good stuff that happened on the show? Like, that's one thing I want to make sure we're doing consistently is crediting equally across shows. You know what I mean? Like, I think, yeah, I think, just yeah, sure I think we are, too. So, like, we both, I think, look to, uh, like, we both enjoy wrestling. Like, we don't just want to yeah. dump on it all the time. Like, we want to reminisce and credit things, like, when they are actually good. But I think during the stretch, like, this is also a historically downtime for the company so like i think we are maybe maybe we are getting more bad than like maybe this is the bad of the bad like maybe these other years or these other seasons we're gonna do maybe they aren't as heavy on the badness right we can hope um that's just my my thinking like 
these are pretty lean years. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's just not a ton to pull from. And I think you look at it here too. Like we actually did give credit for a lot of good. This is more bad. <laughs> that's that's what's hurting this show. Yeah. All right. So that's it. Our, our fourth uh, pay per view in the book. So we will end this season with WrestleMania 11 on our next episode. Uh, we'll hit WrestleMania and then we'll do our award show all as part of one episode, uh, episode three of the podcast. And then we'll move on to our second year, our second season already, Marcus. Can you believe it? Flying by. Time is flying by. Not that far off. So that'll do it here from WWE War. I'm JT. That's Marcus. Take care. We'll talk to you in two weeks.